Welcome back <laughs> to the Act Two Podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter and picketing screenwriters. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. Cheer up, Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for this. We're good. I'm good. I'm good. We're good. We're good. Should we just get to it now? Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, we're on like social media. We know who we, know we, are. Who we are. You know we, who yeah, we are. Today we have just things to talk about. As as we've done in past episodes, we have topics that come and go in our lives, and we always think to ourselves, we should probably talk about this. And they compile, they grow, and they grow, and now here we are talking about them because they're important topics. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a This Week in Writing episode. It is a This Week in Writing episode. However... Yeah. I wanted to do a spec check with you. Yes. Yes. Where are you at? What's going on? Okay. We skipped a week of spec check, mm-hmm. which upset me greatly because I don't have as much of an update as I would have had <laughs> no, last pretend, week. Pretend like it was, <laughs> make something up. I'll pretend, I'll pretend. This is just scrub back. Um, yeah. So I, I finished an outline. Uh, I kind of like a, what would you call what I sent you to writers group? Would you call that an outline? Would you call it? I, I would say it's more of a treatment. Yeah, it was Ex- more like in paragraph form. Extensive outline. Yeah. Well, paragraph treatment. form, it was broken up from act one, act two. And when I knew what like, the midpoint was, I would write that in there as well. And then I submitted that to writer's group and I got notes. So that was last spec check. This spec check, I, I transferred that into a final draft outline. Mm which is what we do in TV. We go into final draft and I never did this until I worked in TV and I was like, this is weird. This feels very intimidating, but it's actually very liberating. So I basically, you know, had my, my treatment off to the side and then opened a final draft. And then every, I did it like slug line. So interior car is the first scene. So we're there and I just write the scene in paragraph form. Oh, you did that. And I did that. Yeah. So I, I, in doing that, it becomes more specific, right? Because in the treatment I sent you, there were some scenes in there, but it wasn't scene for scene. So this had to be scene for scene. When she walks out of the car, it's now exterior car, and what is she doing? So I did all of that, and it was about 20 pages or so, and then I sent that to my manager who read it and texted me right after Josh was like, hey, has your manager read it? And I said, no, and he's like, that's not like her. That's terrible. Why hasn't she read it? Like an hour later, my manager texts me and says, I read it. And she never says this. I loved it. There's a lot of great stuff in Whoa. there. A lot of great stuff in there does indicate there's a lot of not great <laughs> stuff in there, <laughs> which is what I hung on to. Yeah. So we're talking about it today, actually. She's going to give me notes on it so I can finally start writing it. Hopefully. Hopefully she doesn't give me notes that cripple me because sometimes it can happen. She gives me notes that make me go like, well, I don't want to write this now because you don't like like the core of what I want to do. And now I'm just depressed. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen with this one. I don't think so either. She seemed excited about yeah, it. I'm excited. That's great. That's a great update. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about you? I have a first act done that I've been meaning to send a group that I just, yes. ha- I meant to do it in, during our last writer's group, but um, uh-huh, uh-huh. there was a couple submissions. I was a little late. I was like, oh, I'll just wait till the next one. And so... I have this first act that is maybe going to be like the worst thing ever, and I'm going to get notes from you uh, at our next writer's. I'm so excited. When are you submitting it? I mean, I, 
I, I was. I, we meet next I could, week. Send I it now. Do it as soon as we get off this uh, podcast. Do it. Do it so that it's done and you don't have any excuses to go back in yeah. and tweak things. I am having a little hang up. Maybe, and I'm going to probably bring oh. this up in group. There, there is okay. an AI element in the script. <sighs> of course, there and is. I, I'm just like. I had this idea a little while ago, and then I just started to write it now. But now I feel like everything is kind of like AI centric, and and, and yeah. now I'm like, the market's oversaturated with these ideas. Why am I writing this? How ironic! Yeah, I know it might be a terrible idea now. Maybe though, it will be a good jumping off point to be like, well, you can just replace AI with this, and it'll still work very effectively. Or here's a way to make the AI really unique and something I've not seen before. Yeah. And I'm trying to not make it so much an AI story, but there's AI yeah. elements. Okay. I think that's okay. Well, you'll see. You'll see. Just like the movie Her is not an AI story, yes. but it's an AI story. That Yes. But it's it not. It kind of tips in that territory. Okay. I like that. I think it's a little crazy. Good. I like crazy. So I'm going to send act one. You guys are going to tear it apart, and um, then I'll talk about it on the podcast. Good. <laughs> All right. Well. Okay. That's it. We have a lot to talk about. Should we just jump into This Week in Writing? This Week in Writing. This Week in Writing. All right. So I'm just going to start because I think I have more than you, but I might not because we, we have not conferred. Okay. I'm ready. Um, so so I'll do the short one. We'll warm up. Ed Zwick has released a book called Hits, Flops, and Other Illusions, My 40-something Years in Hollywood. And, oh gosh, it comes out in February of 2024. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) But I immediately (laughs) saw this and sent it to Josh because I can't wait to read this. I'm just, like, it's, he has such an incredible career, director of... Blood Diamond, Last Samurai, Legends of the Fall, Glory. Yeah. Just so many good things. And his experiences, I'm sure, are so enlightening, incredible. And that's the thing that I've always craved is like insider baseball information from the people who are doing it so well at such a high level. I agree. And I can't wait for it. That sounds awesome. I... Yeah, I can't wait either. I do love it. It, it is, there's something amazing. I actually just bought this book called The Last Action Heroes. Oh, yes. And it basically talks about the um, different, uh, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, Chuck Norris, and these stories about these action heroes and cinema and how they came to be. And it's a lot of inside baseball stories of how they got to certain areas and who was feuding with certain people and that's cool. I love it. I also, I love these stories and hopefully this book is filled with some knowledge. Hopefully it's not yeah. old school knowledge. Hopefully it's knowledge you can Applicable? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, do you think it's it's like knowledge like that that you can apply or do you think it's just going to be like gossip fueled stories, which are also good given the cast of this book? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I hope it's, I hope it's not gossip filled stories because, because yeah. We're in this weird time where it's like you hear all these stories from the past and which are great. I love that. I love these. I eat them up. I have books on all this stuff. But at the same time, it's like how can you move forward with these stories when like the industry has changed so much? Yes, right. 
yeah, what kernels can you take with you that still apply? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel similarly, moving on to different This Week in Writing, I'm reading Burn It Down by Maureen Ryan right now, and I'm not very far in because I haven't had a lot of time to dig in. But when I do, it's very readable. But it does feel... Gossipy is the wrong word because that's not the intent of it. It's it's to tell, like, it's to elucidate real stories that we've just kind of kept hidden because that's the nature of our business is to sort of hide some difficult truths with people that we work with. But I am looking for the applicable um, pieces yeah. of this, of the story that she's telling me. So I'm hoping that it'll be like, not like here's ways to not be an asshole, but like, here's the lessons that these people have learned working for these jerks. And here is proof and here is a way to be different. And I'm hoping that the book gives those bit of kernels rather than just telling terrible stories, Mm. which is where I'm at now. I'm on the Scott Scott Rudin chapter and it's not pretty. (laughs) Oh boy. It's like, do I think about this with books because it's like, do we need to hear these stories about Scott Rudin when We've already read these snippets from articles online. There's mm-hmm. little Instagram stories. There's little interviews. It's almost like we've soaked it all up already. And now you're just reading it again. You know what's interesting? I, I agree with your point. But there was something in reading the way that she wrote this Scott Rudin chapter where she introduces introduces this man named Kevin. Oh. And she tells the story of Kevin. And Kevin... Uh, in college and high school and how he was and, and how he just ate up movies, saw them all the time and was a sort of brilliant kind of storyteller and um, clearly had just nothing but bright things in his future, was going to be an incredible producer or writer or whatever he chose to do. And it's like several pages of your investment in Kevin and his his sort of bright shining star. And then she says... But we'll never know if Kevin will become a great producer because Kevin committed suicide in 2020 and he worked for Scott Rudin and his parents or his family and friends believe that working for Scott Rudin really led ultimately to his sort of mental deterioration. And that hit harder than the articles, which I have also read about Kevin (laughs) that first came out about Scott Rudin. So... She's hitting you harder than I think the articles do. But again, yes. Like, is there going to be sort of practical ways of coming out of these terrible things that um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep reading? Let me see. Okay. All right. It's well, rough. That is. It's rough read. And it, but it does, it does yeah. to keep going on this because I'm sorry. <laughs> no. But it is no. so interesting because even when I was coming up in the business, so like I got my first assistant job at Universal in 2009 but my very first ever assistant job was like 2004 i think Uh uh-huh i'd heard about scott rudin everyone hears about scott rudin and you hear like oh you don't want to work for him but you do want to work for him because it's basically a fast track to success you will learn so much from scott rudin it's such a difficult busy desk that having that on your resume is an automatic you're automatically going to get promoted somewhere and get a job afterwards and all of these, all of these things. And it was just accepted. Scott Rudin is a jerk and these other bosses are jerks, but people are jerks. That's just how it is guys, but suck it up and go to work and learn from these people. And I don't know. Do you still feel this way? I feel like you have 
opinions. Of... <laughs> of <laughs> you may not want to give. <laughs> of bosses like this? Have you had bosses like this? Listen, I will say this. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving out what you had just said about the story you just told about Kevin, everything yeah. like that. Yeah. that. That's that's a whole other territory. I do feel like currently it is good for people who are up and coming to embrace some h- harder bosses that aren't like Scott Rudin level, but like abusive. Uh, yeah, not like fucking abusive, but um, you know. I, I I just think some people are soft now. That's 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 all. Like current day. Here's where I think the boss push should happen, which is pushing your assistant to work hard. Like work like I'm sorry, I'm working really hard. You need to also be working really hard. If I'm calling you at nine PM because I need something and I'm still working then maybe you need to be working too. And you'll be getting paid for, you should be getting paid for this. You should be getting OT and all of that stuff. Like that's that's sort of where I draw the line of like being tough on your workers. But if I'm like pushing you out of a car. Yeah, no, that's Because I'm, that's you piss me off. That's, that's a line. Yeah, no. <laughs> or like throwing something at you or even like being rude to you in the process of asking you to work till 9 p.m. But I agree. I've had interns, for example, who um, I was like, hey, it's it was like 530. And, you know, when you work in this industry, 730 tends to be like the agreed upon end of day. And um, she's like, I, I asked her to go make some copies of something. And she's like, oh, you know, it's 530. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's it's kind of it's after hours. I'm like, no, it's not. It's 730. She's like, well, I leave at 530. It's like, okay, but I need you to make these copies. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. Really? Yes. And look, there is an argument to say that, hey, but there's some respect there for her respecting her own boundaries of when I'm going to leave and work. But also, this is an industry that I pride myself on hard work. And I think hard work is required to succeed. And making copies past, like, 535 is not going to, I think, cross your boundaries. It just, I don't know. No, I agree. I, again, this is interesting. I want to be very clear there. The rude behavior is unacceptable. Very clear about that. That's a whole other level. But the industry that we exist in is very high risk, high reward. And I do feel like people who really hustle and I mean, it doesn't always pay off, but this is not a normal industry. The entertainment industry is not like a punch in nine to five job. It's just, no. it's just not like that. It's never been like that. Uh, so I think if someone is taking a job, you have to just be aware of that. I mean, to me, to hearing that is like, whoa. Even if I was working at a nine to five job, if someone asked me to do printouts or something after Agree. five, I'd still do I would, it. I've always stayed. Yeah, it's a, it's a work ethic thing. Okay. And it's not a, it's not abusive. It's just hard work. So yes, it, this is this is a good topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got okay. more thoughts. I've got more thoughts. All right, all right. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to totally feel like uh, uh, Clint Eastwood get off my lawn, but I sort of feel that way when it comes to hard work. Yeah, dude, just work hard. All right. All right, go ahead. What's your next one? I want to talk about the Spider Verse movie. 
Oh, okay, let's get into it. Uh, which I'm already forgetting. Into the multiverse, uh, the Spider-Man, what is it called? Across, Across the multiverse. The Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. You saw it. Yes. Okay, we're entering spoiler territory. It's been three weeks. I'm sorry, this is like, this is the grace period for spoilers. So if, yeah. if you're listening, just skip ahead. What'd you think? Well, first of all, you texted me. I just walked out of it. And I was like, what? It's not that bad. And then you're, no, 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 no. I just left it. Like, the movie's over. I was like, okay, okay, okay. Let's talk about yeah, it. And yeah, yeah. I love. it's beautiful. It is so incredible. If it doesn't win an Oscar for whatever it needs to win an Oscar for, for all of that art, it's it should. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I will say I thought the art was distracting of the story. Mm. There were times when... It was just pretty, and the story stuff wasn't also carrying the movie along. It was just the art carrying the movie along, which is fine. It was beautiful. So I guess that's okay, I guess. So yeah. the, here's here's my big thing, because I've had many <laughs> conversations about this, because Paul, it's his, Spider-Man is his favorite. Oh. Spider-Verse are his favorites. And we just had this conversation an hour ago where I feel like, as a storyteller, there were parts that were slow. I feel like I was like, oh, my spidey senses are tingling that the scene should end now. You've done all the character work you needed to. You've done all the story work you've needed to for this ep- for this section. You've also given me an incredible set piece already. End this section and move on to a new part of the story. And they didn't. They would carry on for another five or six minutes. And I said, as a storyteller, that like that just flagged for me and it made it feel slow. Whereas Paul, who loves Spider-Man, loved the art so much, was like so into the movie. Yeah. He did not care that it went on an extra five to six minutes because he enjoyed that extra time with that set piece and those characters. And so I actually started to come around to this idea of, well, maybe the story in this particular type of movie didn't have to be the number one thing that guided the movie. Maybe there were other things that could guide it. Okay. I like it. What do you think? I think I'm leaning a little more towards Paul. Okay. I, oh, okay. I, I okay. Re- I'm actually very surprised <laughs> by this. I, I really, really, really liked it. If not, maybe loved it. Like the art. Oh, shit. The, the, the art. And it, it was so like, I was like, wow, this is what the like, creativity at its finest. Like watching it. So true. So true. However. I had okay. this feeling when the movie ended. I didn't know it ended as a to be continued. Me neither. And I, I felt like, like there was an audible gasp in the theater. Like mm-hmm. when it was said to be continued, it was like, <gasps> what? Like people were confused. I was confused. Mm-hmm. I saw this movie mm-hmm. by myself. I left my family to go see this movie. <laughs> and and, and, I, and I, I was just, I was so thrown off that it was, that it was, to be continued and it made me wonder i was thinking about the arcs of the character i was like well wait a minute was this a complete movie well, like no did the characters arc and i and i sort of feel like gwen stacy started as someone who didn't want to be in a band and she ended to someone who got the band back together yeah that's beautifully said right and then i was thinking of miles i don't know i don't know if he had an arc i, w- I was trying to think about i think this. he did he went to oh he did hating being alone so being like, well, alone is the best place I can be because I don't fit in with you. And that's okay. And he also had that heartfelt moment with his mom. Okay, I'm coming around. See, I haven't even talked about this movie. I, cause I, 
usually talk to Nicole about this stuff, but since I left my family, I have no one. To, I had no one to talk to about this. <laughs> so I actually thought you were so tight-lipped about it because you hated it and were afraid to say that because everyone is loving it. So I am truly shocked. This is this is a big plot twist for me. Yeah, that you love this movie. Okay. Well, the other thing is, I did when I left. I was so thrown off, and I think mm-hmm. when I was like, I walked out. Maybe that's why you like I painted it in that that direction. Yeah. I, was, I was so thrown off by how it ended that I did feel a little like, I don't want to say empty, but I felt, I was like, whoa, wait, that can't be the end of this. And But you're definitely watching three because that's a fucking hook. Well, yeah, I'm definitely watching three, but I would watch three no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like who's going to not see three? Who's not going to? Yeah. I agree with you. There are, yeah. The other thing mm-hmm. is like, I felt like it ended at like a third act break. Like, I don't feel like there's much left of the movie, if that makes sense. Like, what more do we need to see? It was it. It was It was like that. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. wait. Paul had a theory that like made me tear up. So I'm just going to say it. Okay. So it ends, it, big spoiler alert here. It ends with Miles Morales in an alternate universe, not his own, where the Miles Morales of that earth has become... Uh, the Prowler. Mm-hmm. And so he's become a villain. And they face off villain versus Spider-Man, Prowler versus Spider-Man. And Paul's theory is that Miles Morales is going to grow so much in the third movie that he's going to choose to leave his family and stay in this universe that does not have a Spider-Man so that he can protect it and allow the Prowler Miles Morales, whose father has died, to go to his universe so that he can have a father figure. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, that's beautiful. <laughs> that is very beautiful. I, I don't know. I don't know what to, I don't even know what to say about that. I don't know. Maybe. That's beautiful. We'll find out in the year 2029 when that third movie comes out. I have to also admit that as much as I'm criticizing this movie, you can't tell Josh, but after the movie, I went and got a Gwen Stacy haircut. <laughs> so I have a shaved head right Oh, there. shit. You do have a shaved head. I do. How did I not see this? I'm looking. I mean, what the hell? Wait. So you left so the movie. That's how much even disliking the movie feels. All right. Wait a minute. Before we move on. The movie ends. Let's just say your movie ended at 12 o'clock. Yeah. Take me, walk me through this. You walk out. You're like, Paul, I know where we're going. Yeah. We're going to shave the side of my head. Went home. I ordered a Spider Gwen hoodie. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And then I, the next day texted my hairdresser. And then sent her pictures of Gwen Stacy's hair. Wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, it's I've not never colored. done that before. Oh, uh, this paints the movie in a whole new light. I am going to color the ends pink. Really? I am. Yeah. I wish I could pull off a shaved head like haircut like that, but I bet you could do a, a fury cut. I've had the same haircut since I've been like eight. <laughs> <laughs> wait right. does your hair grow out could you grow out the top here <laughs> and get a fury cut 
can we see Fury Josh? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. My hair is like a like a like a Brillo pad. It just goes out like in one direction. <laughs> Fury. All right. All right. Anyway, moving on. Spider Verse. Go see it. It's awesome. Apparently, the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stephen Tonight posted. If you don't follow Stephen Tonight on Twitter, it's a mistake. He is quite engaging and always talks about industry stuff. It was on our but podcast. He posted, oh, yeah. and he was on our podcast. He's great. Go go listen to his episode. He talks about becoming a showrunner for the first time, what that was like, and also becoming a director for the first time. And so he is also he's a writer director, WGA DGA. He is very vocally not voting, not ratifying the DGA agreement. But he posted something on June 12th where he explains why the DGA deal regarding AI is not a good one. And I'm not going to, I don't know anything about AI terminology and all of that stuff. So I'm not going to super get into it. I go, go ahead and read it. And uh, we retweeted it on our Act 2 Twitter as well, but he says that there is a reason why in the agreement they use the very specific term generative AI, generative AI at every turn. And it is because there is a lot of other kind of AI, transfer learning AI, rules-based AI, all these other terms that can be used, all these other types of AI that can be used to replace ADs and UPMs and even a lot of stuff that directors do. And so I think that was just worthy of talking about because I agree that the language around AI with the AMPTP feels very vague, and he goes into why it's so vague. It's a loophole. What is generative AI? Do we know? I guess it's like create, my guess is, and this is me knowing nothing, is creating images, right? Or like... Mm. Um, changing the color of something or, yeah, creating an image in place of a real image. So is the idea from a from the DGA, it's like like AI would first storyboard the entire movie and then a director? Storyboard, location scout. Um, that AI can do? Yes. Generating equipment lists, coordinating rentals. Wow. Payroll management, transportation coordination. You want to hear something insane? That actually sounds pretty helpful. <laughs> but it's getting rid of a lot of jobs that no, people no, no, are I doing know. right now. I know, I know. Because <laughs> we kind of already do with like, you know, the, the craziest thing is, is we've been using all of these tools like Google Maps, Apple Maps, whatever. We've been using all of these tools already. It's now just the fact that someone else is going to be using the tools and that someone else happens to be not real. Yeah. Computer generative yeah i don't know i feel like but if you're a director you're like you're on set like is ai supposed to tell an actor how to redo a scene maybe i could see it getting to that point right like traditionally this scene you need to be standing here and you need to be behaving this way but there's more than that like it's deciding where shot choices might be it's deciding what it looks like it's creating CGI instead of having someone design that CGI. What's really strange about all of this is, as as I understand it, and I'm, this might just come off as totally wrong, but like current AI is only learning from all of the past stuff 
that has come from humans, right? Yeah. And when it comes to screenwriting or directing, it's basically reading old scripts, watching old movies, and then implementing it in the same way, but just the AI way, right? Mm -hmm. So can't like the companies just put like, this is like copyright infringement. Sorry, this that yes. shot came from That's That's Jurassic the Park. argument. Yeah. I, I listen, I still don't fully understand it. I'm just scared of it. And that's yeah. probably why I'm, that's why I'm scared of it because I don't understand it. Exactly. Which leads me to my big this week in writing. Oh. Because you know, everyone knows how much I hate AI. It makes me throw up. I don't like talking about it. Really? I'm afraid of it. Yes. Oh, it's I, terrible. I, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I had this conversation with a friend of mine who is a musician and a singer. And she has been sort of hearing rumblings of AI taking the place of singers as well, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with voice actors. They can already, they're stealing your voice and putting it in commercials in Russia kind of thing. And she was saying people who do art are going to do art regardless. That's just historically over the course of all of human civilization, we have created drama even though there was no sort of monetary value, right? Like back in the day writers and actors were considered criminals, essentially. It was not considered at all a good thing to do to go see a theater show, for instance. Only like the, the body lowly people would go see theater, right? But then there are also versions of it sort of transcending and becoming almost philosophical in the things that it teaches people. You know, parables are biblical and those are just stories. So her argument is, and I came around to this and found hope in it, was that if AI takes over Hollywood and it starts writing the Marvel movies and it starts writing even like Spider-Verse and creating Spider-Verse on its own, artists are going to still make movies and make shows. They're just going to do it kind of on an indie level. We're, gonna, we're basically going to start almost like a rebel version of storytelling that's human form. So you, we may eventually have very soon... AI movies, and that's a thing we go see. We go see Fast and Furious AI movies, right? Mm -hmm. And those are the kind of AI movies we go see. But then there's also going to be the Wes Anderson human-made movies. And they're just going to have like two different styles. And people are going to, writers are going to have to choose which lane they will be in. But it's not going to destroy human-made content. I like that. Because life finds a way. Life finds a way. It always does. That makes sense to me. I'm not, it's weird because as worried as I am, I'm still not as, I'm like, I'm not as worried as I was about AI. I feel like my, my bigger issues with AI are so big that this won't matter. Like my issues are the Terminator. Like that's where right. I'm. And so if that happens, so we're just, we're going to be fighting. But it's baby steps. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with this that. This is the baby step to Terminator. Or are we more iRobot? That's better, question mark, because there's some ignorance that goes with that world. Yeah, it's true, In terms too. of everyday people, they aren't necessarily negatively affected. Listen, it's not it's not helpful when you like articles, and I and I send you articles of AI all the time, and this, whenever I, I know, send them- I know, it makes me sick. You reject them immediately. <laughs> They, all these articles are really negative. The people who created this machine, the chat GPT, everything, they're like worried that they created something that's going to destroy the world. 
Yes. And that's not good. No. Moving on to something a little more uplifting. Speaking of Terminator, hmm. there was a little blurb I saw that I sent to you. And it said, uh, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger said he suggested to change I'll be back to I will be back in the first Terminator because he thought that it sounded more machine-like. So he tells James, Cam- James Cameron this and Cameron responds with, are you the writer? Don't tell me how to fucking write. And he was wrong. Not James. Arnold. Arnold. I know. I love it because I feel like, to be honest with you, I was thinking about this. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, Arnold, he does have a point. That does sound more machine. It does. But Cameron, he stuck to his guns. Yeah. He had a feeling. And he knew. Yeah. And he was, he was like, I'm the director. I'm the writer. This is yeah. what you're saying. Yes. And it's such... There is something to this, right? Because the, you can just hear that it needs to sound this way. And some people don't have that ear. They can't hear that it needs to be... They, they may think logically, like, well, but a robot would say this. Like, I don't fucking care if a robot would say it that way. It doesn't sound good that way. We have to say it this way. It's like, but it doesn't work with the character. I, again, don't fucking care. Yeah. The writer knows the way this needs to sound. And you need to say it that way. It's so important, I think, because we always talk about, or we've talked about, like, you know, you have to have kind of, like, your vision. When you write something, you have to, like, you just have to know what you're doing because it's so easy to talk to an actor, a producer, an executive who will steamroll you and change everything. And it's almost like if Arnold got that, maybe he would get another thing and another thing and another thing. Hmm. I'm not saying to respond like James Cameron because James Cameron's James Cameron. (laughs) Uh, And this kind of goes back to... Maybe a current day boss wouldn't be able to yeah. say that. Yeah. Uh, or maybe. I don't know. My point being is there's something to it. When you're the writer, yeah. you got to know. You got to know your character. Yeah. Or just I agree. Gotta, you just have to know it works. I agree. I've definitely been in casting records where the actor can't quite get the line right. Like it just doesn't read naturally for them. And so on the fly, for example, you have to think differently. And I've had, you know, someone else who's not a writer suggest a line and you're like, no, that doesn't work. It's just, there's something about the way the the words move in that line, the yeah. way it sounds all together. Like logically your line makes sense. Your suggestion makes sense, but it just doesn't sound or feel right. And it doesn't totally fit the the sort of intonations that the character would use. Like you get that specific when you think of writing, right? As a writer, you have to think so minute in terms of how this character speaks, but so does the actor, right? Yeah. Um, And so I've definitely had to kind of tweak things on the fly that is very much like what only a writer could do. And then it fits in that actor's mouth and they're able to say it and it works with the character and all of those things. It's It's a very fun, interesting puzzle creating process it's cool it's a cool part of our job this is a non sequitur because i feel like our segues have been so good so i apologize that this this segue is not very good but there was a post by noah evslin i'm hoping i'm pronouncing noah's name right he we follow him on twitter he's he's really really great he has his own podcast and he was talking about a post that someone 
he grabbed someone else's like screenshot and it was a pre-WGA writer. So a writer who hopes to be in the WGA is working towards that goal of becoming a WGA union writer. They were going to sign up with, a, I think, a manager or an agent. I forget which. And that manager or agent said, absolutely excited to work with you. But just so you know, we require like a fee up front. And... The quote was, we charge a nominal monthly fee over a 12-month period and a 5% fee based on the project's total budget upon completion of getting the project commissioned. So absolutely not. If you ever, ever, ever meet a manager or an agent who asks for money up front and any kind of fee that goes with being represented by them, that is a scam. That is not how the business is done. Um, and he rightfully, you know, rightfully calls it out. Instead, like when I signed with my agent, I actually didn't, it was like a handshake agreement. Yeah. Like old school Jerry Maguire shit. Yeah. <laughs> my, my word is my bond. <laughs> and they were kind of just like, let's see how this goes. And they started generating me meetings and I started generating work out of those meetings and it started going well. And they only get paid when I get work. That's the incentive for them. They're incentivized to find me work and, and work that's well paid so that they can get their 10%. And oftentimes, by the way, you'll see in deals where you make your, your fee for writing plus 10%. And that plus 10% is so that I can pay my reps without having to take money out of my own check. So it's always 10%. And that's it. I never pay them anything else besides that ever. So yes, scam. Don't be fooled by it. I know it's tempting because you want to get into the business and there's someone out there who seems to believe in you, but that's not correct. And if you are someone who is an agent or a manager that is charging, that thinks they can charge people, I would love to invite this person on the podcast. <laughs> so reach out to Josh. We have some questions. <laughs> Obviously, they know how we feel because I agree. But I just want to know, maybe there's another side that these, these, these scam artists think that is not a scam. You think they don't think it's a scam? You think they think this is a, just a new business model? Listen, I'll be open to the conversation. God bless you. I'm kind of coming in with a stance. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be open to hearing what the person has to say. That's fair. That's how you should live your life. Yeah. But to be very clear, never sign with someone that Tasha, that never, just never pay anyone anything like that. That's just weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all my this week's in writings. Do you have anything else? I could end on a negative note. N oh, God. All right. Okay. All right, Tasha. So I was talking to a couple friends who are writers, and there was a general sense of dread that I feel like everyone had nice coffee mug, by the way, Mulan. And all of the writers were like, who, you know, based are out of work. were like, I don't know when Hollywood's coming back, but this just feels like it's almost like when it does come back, is everyone going to be left behind? There were people who one mm. guy was on a show, but I don't think the show was coming back. He was like a writer on it. And so it was just a bad vibe. And it was all. Wait, around can I the, ask the what other situations the writers were in? May I ask like why they felt that they were going to be left behind? Yeah. One was a feature writer 
mm-hmm. and his he actually had something in production, but the movie wasn't finished. They had to put a pause on the movie, and he basically writes features. And um, he was getting into sh- television, but that show went away right when the strike happened. I guess it wasn't the feeling of like being left behind, but more so like there's like a reset happening, and who knows where Hollywood's going to be when the strike ends what work is going to be available. Everyone was just, it it wasn't one thing. It was like a million things. And it was, again, going back to the uncertainty. And it was this kind of sense of, it it just wasn't a positive conversation. Let's just put it that way. That's all. Yeah. Do you feel at all any sense of unsettling dread? I don't, but I feel like I should. I'm in a fortunate position where I do have Tomb Raider going for a little bit, which I think will go hopefully beyond the strike because hopefully the strike ends this year. Um, Which is even crazy to say this year. I know. Yeah, you'd hope so. Um, So there's a little bit of job security that I do have. Um, And I I don't know if it's naivete, but I don't know if the industry is going to change so drastically by the end of this strike that those opportunities won't still exist because – the companies also change in a kind of glacial pace for the most part. So even if there's going to be big change, I don't think it's going to happen day one of the strike being over or even day like 30, 60, 75, 300. Like it's going to take a while for them to no longer have that opportunity for your feature writer, right? I don't know. I guess brace for there to be change and for having to adjust the way you think about the market. But I mean, there we go. I don't know. I, as much as I'm scared of AI, like that's the only thing that scares me in this whole process as, as potentially, you know, uplifting in a bad way, our, our business, uprooting, I guess, our business in, in ways that scare me. Otherwise, I feel is, like it will be fine. This is so crazy because everyone knew these, this, this was going to happen, like the uh, negotiations and everything. And up Mm -hmm. until like four months ago, AI wasn't even in anyone's brain. Like that Mm -hmm. was, this is the craziest thing about it. It's like, that's how fast it moved. Yeah. Where where now it's turned into the biggest fear for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, that was fun. I regret allowing you to end on that note. (laughs) All right. Quote of the day. (laughs) (laughs) When you are consumed by thoughts, write. When you are uninspired, read. Stephen King. Yeah, but did he fucking deal with AI? No. Keep going. <sighs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please remember to rate and subscribe. <laughs> follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter. Josh Hallman on Instagram. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. <laughs>